church, and we're so thankful to be a part of it. So this morning, I want you to take your Bibles as we continue to worship the Lord through his word this morning. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, over to uh, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. Now, you're going to find that this is Luke's version of the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It's also found in the Gospel of Matthew, as you well know. But this is uh, Luke's version of the prayer, the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And uh, for those of you who are able and who have a copy of God's word with you, would you stand with me for the reading of this portion of God's word in reverence to the Lord and his word? And we'll begin reading with chapter 11 and verse 1, in which we read, Now it came to pass, as, they, as he, that is Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he, Jesus, said to them, when you pray, say, and say this with me, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, now notice how Luke puts it, give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from not just evil, but who causes the evil? Who? The wicked one. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, even as we have read this portion of your word this morning, Lord, we do ask your blessing upon it. And Lord, we ask that the very words of uh, my mouth, the meditations of my own heart this morning be found acceptable in your holy sight. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Let hearts be open to receive your word. If there be anyone here who has never received Christ, may you quicken them to life today. And we'll give you the glory for it all. For all of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, as you well know, it's Father's Day, and it's a day uh, that we come to honor our fathers, even as we, like we honor our mothers on Mother's Day, and, and rightly so. And uh, so I hope that you have honored the memory of your father, or if your father's still living, that you thank God for them and let them know that as we come to honor our fathers. But you know, being Father's Day, not only do we need to honor our earthly fathers, but I think it's also very important that we honor our heavenly father, amen? Because he's our father. And being our father, we need to honor him just as we honor our earthly fathers. And so on Father's Day, to honor our, our heavenly father this morning, um, to honor him, uh, I want to preach to you on the fatherhood of God. The fatherhood of God as we honor our Heavenly Father 
by preaching about the fatherhood of God and how he is a father to us. And I base this upon what Jesus said in this model prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. And notice that the first thing that he said was, when you pray, say, say it with me, our Father. Now let that ring true in your heart and your mind. We pray to our Father. Now let me just begin by saying that while God is the creator of all, he is not the Father of all. While God is the creator of all, he's not the father of all. And I say that because God does not become your father by creation. No, he becomes your father by conception. He becomes your father when by the Holy Spirit, you've been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And until then, he's not your father. He only becomes our father when we are conceived of the Holy Spirit and we are born again into the family of God. And you see, then and only then is he our father and are we his children. You see, we must be born again for that to be true in our life. You see, don't call God your father if you have not been born again. Because if you've not been born again, he's not your father. Now the world will lie to you. And the world will tell you that he's everybody's father. Oh no. Oh no, he's not. Write this down in John chapter 1 and verse 11. We read where it says that Jesus came unto his own and that his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God, even to them who believe in his name. And then in John 14, 6, Jesus made it clear he said, no one can come to the Father except through me. And do you know there was actually a day that we read in the uh, Gospel of John also when Jesus was speaking to the lost and the unsaved people of his day. And of all things, do you know what he said to them as it's recorded in John 8, 44? He looked at these lost and unsaved people and this is what he said. You are of your father, the devil. Now, I wouldn't go around telling people that. They may swing at you if you do. That's what Jesus said to the unsaved people of his day. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And the will of your fa that father, you, the lust of your father, you will do. You see, there's only two kinds of people in this world. There are those whose father is the devil. And then there are those whose father is Jesus, is God, the Father. And that's the only difference. And the only way we become knowing him as our father is when we are born again and receive Jesus into our life as our Lord and Savior. Otherwise, he's not our father. 
and we are not his child. I hope there's been that time in your life when you know you were born again, when you know you received him as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know that happened in my life years ago when I was a sophomore in college. When on an Easter Sunday morning, I came under conviction and I knew I needed to give my life to Jesus, but I didn't do it that morning in church. And I went on home that afternoon and had dinner with my family. And late that afternoon, I got in my little Pinto automobile and I headed back on Highway 31 outside Birmingham, Alabama to the University of Montevallo where I was a student. The conviction of God came all over me in that car and right there and then I pulled that car over to the side of the road. And I said, Jesus, I'm sorry. Would you come into my life and save me? And you know what happened in that moment? The Word of God and the Spirit of God came together in my heart and I believed and I asked the Lord to save me. And you know what happened right there and then? I was born again. And God became my Father. And I became his son. And that's the reason I can say I've been born again. I've been conceived of the Holy Spirit. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. He is my father. And I am his son or your, his daughter for you. But the question is, is he your father? Is he your father? Is he? If not, he wants to be. And he can be. And he will be. If only you'll receive him into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior so that you can say as his child, our, say it with me, Father. But then notice from this model prayer, not only is he our father, but it also, Jesus tells us in the, what he taught his disciples to pray, how our heavenly father fathers his children. You know, not every father will father his children the same way. There are some fathers who will father their children in a good way. Then there are some who will actually father their children in a bad way. In this, and there are also those who don't even father their children at all. But here, not only are we told how he is our father when we're born again, but we're also told once we become his child by what Jesus said, we are told how our heavenly father fathers his children. Oh, goodness. I'm from the old school. Y'all have to forgive me. I may just take this off. Is this still working okay? How does he father us as his children. Well, for one thing, from what Jesus said and told his disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, not only say our Father, but if you look in verse 3, this is how he fathers us. Pray and say these words, give us day by day our daily bread. And by that, our Father fathers us, how? By Heavenly Father fathers us, how? By providing for us. You see, he is our Heavenly Father, and for that reason, you can rest assured, he knows that his, his responsibility is our Father to provide for us. 
That's why Jesus said when you pray, say, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And he will because it's his responsibility as our father to provide for us. Now, if you think you provide for yourself, you're mistaken. You say, now, wait a minute. I work hard. I earn money so that I can buy food and provide for my family. I do that myself. Excuse me. You think you're the one doing the providing? Who gives you your life? Who gives you your life day by day? Who gives you your health? Who gives you your strength? Who gives you your energy? Who gives your mentality and your ability to go out and to work and earn money so that you can go and buy groceries? And by the way, you buy $100 worth, of, they'll ask you right now, do you want to eat it here or take it with you? But it's God. And if you think you do it yourself, you know, let God take his hand off of you and withdraw his blessing. And you'll find that it was never about you, but it was always and always will be about his, the Heavenly Father providing for you. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 37, in verse 25, he said, I was young and now I'm old. I can identify with that verse. I was young and now I'm old. I'm old. He says, but I've never yet seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Why? Because our Heavenly Father takes care of us. Can you imagine how insulting it must be to our Heavenly Father to look down from heaven and see us fretting and worrying and doubting at times as to whether he is going to provide for us. What an insult. And what did Jesus say about that in Matthew chapter uh, 6 and verse 25? He said, I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink or your body about what you shall uh, wear. He says, surely life is more than food and your body more than clothing. He said, look at the birds of the air. He said, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And he says, are you not more valuable than they? Now, we may have some birds out here who act like birds, but let me tell you, my friend, you're a lot more valuable than the birds that God feeds, especially if you're his child. What farmer would dare feed his chickens and starve his children? No, a farmer will feed his chickens so that he can turn those chickens into food to be able to feed his children. And listen, this is how our Heavenly Father loves us, and this is what he does for us. He provides everything, doesn't he, for us. And whatever you ask 
according to his will. It's going to be done, my friend. And if you ask God for something that's not good for you, he knows it. If it's good for you, you can ask and he's going to give it to you. And if you ask and he doesn't give it to you, it's because he knows it's not good for you. And one day you'll be glad he didn't give you what you asked for. You see, this is the way that he loves and cares for his children. He provides for us. Do y'all get that point? But not only does our Heavenly Father provide for us, but also from what Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our Heavenly Father also loves us by pardoning us, by pardoning us, not only prepare, uh, pre uh, providing, but pardoning us. Listen to what he says in verse 4. And when you pray, say to the Father, and forgive us our what? Sins. I'm so glad that's there. You know, that tells us that God loves us unconditionally. As our Heavenly Father, he loves us unconditionally. And do you know there's not any good you could do that would ever make God love you any more than he already does as your Heavenly Father? And that there's not any wrong or bad you could do that would ever make God love you any less because he loves us unconditionally. He's our Father. Now, I will say this, that when we do not do right and when we do wrong and when we do sin, it saddens him. It grieves him. And it will not destroy our relationship with him, but I tell you, it will come between us and our fellowship with him because of that sin that's there. And that's why Jesus said, when you sin and you know you've done wrong, pray to your heavenly Father and ask him to forgive you, and he will. You see, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And what? Cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. I'm so glad that's there because that tells us that God not only loves us enough to forgive us when we ask forgiveness, but he also then cleanses us in such a way that he will never hold that sin against us as if it's never there. Amen? And if you start, if the devil starts bringing up your mind things that God's already forgiven and forgotten, my friend, that's not God, that's the devil. And you tell him to go to hell and you run because he's faster than you are. Did you know that the devil is the only one you can tell to go to hell? You can't tell anybody else to go to hell because you'll be judging them. And we're not the judge, but you know why you can tell the devil to go to hell? Because the book of Revelation tells us that hell is prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Aren't we so glad that even when the devil tempts us to sin and we do sin and when we do, our Heavenly Father is there to forgive us if only we will ask him. And when we ask him, he not only forgives, but he forgets. You see, he forgets our sin. But let me tell you this. In his love for us, not only does he pardon us, but if we confess our sin without really genuinely repenting of our sin before he will pardon us as our Father, he'll punish us in order to correct us to put our feet back on the right track where they belong. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? You see, he won't let us continue in sin as his children. He knows what sin will do to us. 
And he knows when we need to be punished, when we need to be corrected, because if we're not, he knows what sin will do to us. He knows that sin will take you farther than you want to go. And that it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll end up costing you more than you'd ever want to pay. And that's why he will step in and punish us so as to correct us and put our feet back on the right track. And we're grateful that he does. Now, there may be some of you, and I don't know who it is, but uh, there may be someone here who is thinking to themselves, now, wait a minute, preacher, I'm a member of this church, and I'd have you to know that I'm living in sin, and nobody else knows it, and I'm going to stay living in sin, and God's never punished or chastised me. Well, if that be the case, could very well be you've never been saved. It could very well be that you're not really a child of God at all. Because you know what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7 says? That God chastises those whom he what? Loves. God's not going to put up with sin in the life of a believer. And if you are living in sin, my friend, it could very well be because you're not a believer. If you're living in sin, one or two things are happening. You're never saved and you're headed for hell. Or else if you're saved and you're living in sin, my friend, you're headed for the woodshed and you better be careful, you know, because God has his way of correcting us because he loves us that much and putting us back on the right track. That's why Jesus said when you pray to our Heavenly Father, pray for his, that he will provide for us. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray that he will pardon us, that he will forgive us of our sin. And if you try to ask his pardon without really repenting, I promise he will punish in order to correct us, to put us back on the right track. But there's one other thing that he does as our Heavenly Father that's mentioned in this prayer in his great love for us. He also protects us. He protects us. How does he protect us? Look at what he goes on to say. In verse 4, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, don't misconstrue what Jesus said there. God doesn't lead anyone into temptation. It's not God that leads people into temptation. Did you know that God can't lead anyone into temptation? In James 1, 7, it simply says this, When you are tempted, let no one say that I've been tempted of God, that God cannot be tempted by evil. And it says, nor does he tempt anyone. No, it is not God that tempts us. But what did Jesus tell his disciples in the, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane? He says, watch and pray that you may not what? Enter into temptation. You see, God is there to protect us when we're tempted. He doesn't lead us into temptation, but when we realize what's going on and we pray as Jesus tells us to pray, he gives us the strength to lead us out of that temptation and deliver us from all the evil and from the evil one. What a wonderful heavenly father. To be his child and to know that he provides for us. And as our Heavenly Father, he not only provides for us, 
but he pardons us. And even if we uh, aren't willing to repent, he'll even correct us to put us back, punish us, to put us back on the right track. And he's even there always to protect us and deliver us from evil. Now, those are the things that our Heavenly Father does for us. And you know that in this prayer, there's something that Jesus tells us that we are to do in loving our Heavenly Father. And what is that? It comes at the very beginning of the prayer where he said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, this is what we're to do, hallowed. Do y'all see that? Hallowed be thy name. That's what we're to do in showing our love to him as our Father. We are to hallow his name. Now, what does it mean to hallow his name? Hallow comes from the same word, holy. God is holy. And if we're truly his children and he is our Father, you know what? We're going to want to be like him. We're going to want to imitate him. As he is, we want to be the same way. That is holy as he is holy. And you see, it means something to have him as our father. We would live in the world, but we're not to be of this world. We're to be different from this world. And that's how we hallow the name of our heavenly father so that we don't embarrass him. We don't humiliate him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Remember whose child you are and remember his name. We hallow his name. So much so that write this down by that word hallowed. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. And this is what John writes in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. He said, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You see, that's how... We hallow his name. What a wonderful, heavenly father who provides for us, pardons us. If necessary, he punishes us to correct us, to keep us on the right track. And he protects us. What a loving father. How does that song go, if I can remember it? Well, I'm going to have to look at my cheat sheet, okay? Now, I, I want to close by remembering that song uh, verse by Chris Tomlin. This is what it says. You're a what? Good, good father. Have you told him that today? You're a good, good father. It's who you are. 
It's who you are. It's who you are. And it's... And I'm loved by you. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Who I am and who I am. What a wonderful father. And what a privilege it is to be his children. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We come to a moment of decision this morning. I've already asked this question, but may I ask it again? Is he your father? And are you truly his child? Is he your father? If not, he wants to be. He can be. And he will be. If only by faith you transfer your trust from all other things and place your trust in him. If you never opened your heart this way and received Jesus, as I pray this prayer out loud, you pray it silently. Repeat these words after me and say them to God. Mean it with your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, that's right, say that to God. Mean it with your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to die for my sins. But I know you love me enough to live a life that I failed to live and that you died on a cross to pay a penalty that you did not owe to save me from a penalty that I could never pay. And not only did you die for me, but you were buried. And I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And as best as I know how, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me. Save me. And from this day forward, transform me as your child into the person you want me to be. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just a moment longer. If you prayed that prayer, you made life's most important decision. But let me tell you, this is not just a decision. This is life we're talking about. He literally came into your life. He did so by his spoken word. And he's made you new. Now we're not to be ashamed to confess him as our Savior and our Lord and as our Heavenly Father. And the way we do that is by being baptized. 
You see, it's that outward expression of what you've come to believe in your heart when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you just prayed that prayer, or some other time you've prayed it, but you've never followed through, don't be ashamed to confess Jesus as your heavenly Savior and knowing your heavenly Father, that you're a child of the King. Don't be ashamed of it, my friend, with the courage of your conviction, knowing you've asked Jesus in your heart, if you've never made that public by being baptized as he commands us to do, let me encourage you when we stand in a moment to sing, just simply to come and take one of the ministers by the hand and let it be known by your coming publicly this morning that you have received him as your Lord and Savior. And he's your heavenly father. They'll set up a time for you to be baptized in obedience to his command as his, your, as his child. If you're a Christian in need of a church home, the doors of this church are open. This is a wonderful church. You're going to find people here who are going to encourage you, connect with you, and love you as we go along this journey of faith together. And if you need a church home like that, why don't you come and make this your church home? They'd be glad to receive you here. And if not here, somewhere else. But you need to get connected and plugged into a local church. And then on this third thing, I'm saying it to myself before I say this to anyone else. I want the name of the Father to be hallowed in my life, don't you? I want people to look and say, there's something different there. And I want to be able to tell them that's my heavenly Father that you see. And we may always hallow his name in everything that we do and everything that we say that people might see that difference in us. So, Father, if there be any decisions that are needing to be made public this morning, may you have your way and your will in our hearts and lives, and we'll give you the glory for it as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.